Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Micah Van Huss will examine the Christian response to human experimentation, and Lee Brainerd will offer more insight and details on the new heavens and earth. Now available for the very first time, the entire Columbus, Ohio Prophecy Conference, all 12 speakers, 20 total presentations, one complete DVD set. Topics include secret societies, invisible war on the saints, the Jewish roots of Christianity, the earth as it was, unveiling the Antichrist, a one-world update, and much more. Also included in this complete set is Jonathan Kahn's live presentation on the Josiah Manifesto. Order the complete Columbus Conference DVD set today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order on our website, swrc.com. Now, here's our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino. Thank you, friends, for being with us. We are going to continue our interview with Lee Brainerd, author of The New Heavens and Earth. It's a fascinating book, very, very well written, very thoroughly researched, and I think he makes a lot of good conclusions from the studies that he's done. So, Lee, we may have some listeners who missed the previous program. Maybe you can give us about a two- or three-minute rundown about the two views and which view you favor. Yes. In Revelation 21.1, we, we read, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Now, there's two views on what this verse means. One is that the current heavens and earth are going to cease to exist in a great conflagration of fire and be replaced by a brand new second creation. The other view, which is the one I hold, is that the present heavens and earth are going to be destroyed by fire in a judgment that's analogous to the destruction of the the previous earth and world by flood, and so that this earth is not going to cease to exist. It's going to continue forever, but it will be gloriously changed. Right. It'll be a beautiful renovation, like an old house that is so beautifully redone. The renovation is complete. Well, let's talk about Revelation 21.1. The word new, kine, it does not mean recent, like I recently got a new car. What does it mean, and what do you get out of Revelation 21.1? Well, what's interesting about this is we're running into a problem where people will make hyper-technical distinctions between kainos, new, and neos, new. And they really need to be careful about doing that. If a person was to actually go through every usage of those two words in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, and then write down all their meanings and uses, they're going to find that there's a tremendous amount of overlap between them. Right. And so... And this is true with a lot of New Testament vocabulary. We want to be careful that we don't make a hyper-technical distinction. Now, kainos can be used in, in a number of ways. I mean, it can be used for something that is brand new in the sense that it's a recent invention, but it can also be used of something that's been refurbished and or renovated to make new. 
We do the same thing with the word new in English. And so once we understand this, I think then people will be able to enter into understanding the passage in a deeper way rather than a superficial argument. Right. I, I think that's a good point. Sometimes when some people start studying the original language and learn a little Greek and Hebrew, then they really make super sharp distinctions that are really not there in the text, but they're they're kind of showing off their knowledge of the original language. And I think we, we do have to be careful about that. That's a good point. You write about exegetical shifts and the potential range of meaning for a word or passage. Some passages, I would think, allow for a little bit of wiggle room and latitude and meaning. Could you tell us what this means for the interpreter and speak a little more at uh, length in, in this matter of exegetical shifts? Yeah, exegetical shift or is like an exegetical trick. It's where you, one of the categories, for instance, I talk about in the book is called a magic bullet. So you'll bring up the word like kinos, you will assign it a supposed technical definition, but that technical definition is not correct. So you use this magic bullet to prove your point, but you've proved nothing because your point is wrong. For instance, we have the distinction between create and make. The Hebrew verb for create is bara. The Greek verb for create is katizo. So people will look at a passage which, that has the creation of the new heavens and the new earth, and they will say, well, it's the, it's the verb bara in Hebrew, it's katizo in the Septuagint, therefore this has to be calling something into existence out of nothing. But here's again, we got a problem with the hyper-technical distinction between create and make. If people will actually look up every instance of the create verbs in the Hebrew and in the Greek and every instance of the make verbs, the do or make verbs in Greek or, and in Hebrew, they're going to discover that there's tremendous overlap. For instance, Adam was created from the dust. This is bara in the Hebrew, katizu in the Septuagint. And Eve was created from Adam's rib, which is, again, bara in the Hebrew, katizu in the Greek. According to the theory, that should mean that Adam was created ex nihilo, but he wasn't. He was created from the dust. According to the theory, Eve should have been created ex nihilo, but she wasn't. She was created from Adam's rib. There's tons of examples of this in extra-biblical literature and in biblical literature. We just need to be careful that we don't get hyper-technical. Yes. That's a good point. You know, I'm looking at Jeremiah 33, 25, and 26, where it tells us that Israel's continued existence is just as long-lasting as the earth is long-lasting. So if the earth is not long-lasting and perpetual, then Israel's existence is not long-lasting and perpetual. So the purpose of these verses, I think, is to show that Israel's a permanent reality. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, I think what you're talking about, what I see in, in uh, Jeremiah 33, 25, and 26, I think the Scripture here, at least, interprets itself and gives us a full meaning. What's the purpose of the verse? Well, it's speaking about, you know, Israel is not just something that's going to pass away. It's long-lasting, and so is the earth. That raises another, another question. What is it going to be like? to live on this new earth? Of course, no sin, but what else can we expect? We can expect. 
expect a continual blessing to an insane degree that we can hardly wrap our minds around. When you look at the, the promise that the light of the day will be as light as is the light of seven days, the light of the night will be like the light of the day. In other words, there's seven times more candle power available for plant growth. We read the climates are going to be moderated. Uh, men are not going to be smitten by the heat of the day or the cool of the night. We read that the, the plowman has to wait for the harvester. I mean, this is bumper crops like we can hardly wrap our mind around. So man is going to be living in this blessing on this planet for all of eternity. Now, personally, I think we're not going to be limited to earth. I think the Lord is going to take the original creation mandate in the garden where we're supposed to be fruitful and to subdue the earth. And he's going to expand that out to the entire universe. But and the whole thing is going to be beautiful the whole way. Right. Un unbelievably beautiful. There seems to be some, some indication about the existence of nations in the future. Of course, they'll not be fighting, but there will be some kind of geopolitical lines of demarcation. Do you see that? Do you, do you hold to that? Yes, I do, because in the kingdom, for instance, we see that the nations that will not send up representatives to the annual Feast of Tabernacles, the Lord is going to withhold rain from them. Right. And we also see the, the uh, believers being given political authority or ruling or dominion authority over the cities and the nations. Well, I think that's a, a good explanation uh, of that. What about the satellite city? There seems to be mention of a satellite city that comes down where we're never told that it actually lands on the earth, it hovers. What are we talking about? I don't have a Bible here, but in Revelation 22, there is that descending, and it's almost like it's always descending and it never arrives. What are we talking about there? Well, that's the glorious city, New Jerusalem, which is yeah. actually, when we technically speak of heaven, we're, we're talking about this city because this is where the Lord dwells with the angels and the saints that have gone before. Now, there's a little bit of a debate when this city comes down to earth at the end of the millennium, is it actually going to physically touch on ground, or is it just going to be hovering above the ground? Right. And, you know, I've never personally tried to actually answer that question, but we do know that it actually comes down to the earth's realm, because for all practical purposes, after the millennium, earth is going to be the inhabitation of God. The Father will be with mankind, and the mankind will be his children. And the saints are going to get to go on into eternity, enjoying the same glorious indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit we have now, except with the sin nature removed, we're going to be in, in insane, perfect harmony with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Right. We're going to have the physical presence of the Son and the physical presence of the Father. But if brothers want to, to hold the position that it's sitting on the ground or that it's hovering above the ground, whether whether 50 feet above the ground or a right. few miles above the ground, that's, I leave that between them and the Lord. Right. I know there's a lot of talk about ETs and these other civilizations and about, for example, the rapture will be explained by the Space Brothers coming and delivering us from these awful Christians and so forth. How far do we want to push this and say there's no life as we know it on these heavenly bodies or even in galaxies far beyond. Is that too much of a stretch, or do you think we we're, we're, have our feet on, on good, solid biblical evidence while we say 
No, this is the center of the universe. This is all there is. This is what it's all about. Well, actually, the view that I look in this is if we're talking about advanced intelligent life, like something comparable to mankind and the angelic kind, right now the angels are the highest form. There is nothing beyond them. But in the resurrection, man is going to be above the angels. And we also read in the book of James that we are the Mankind is the first fruits of all God's creation. Personally, I'm not going to be a bit surprised if every solar system in our galaxy and every solar system in every galaxy has at least one planet in the Goldilocks zone, many of them with trees and plants and animals. But nowhere, and they're all made for mankind's enjoyment, but nowhere in the universe is there any other intelligent being that's significantly beyond the highest apes and that's approaching mankind to the angels there is nothing like that out there when it comes to this point this earth with the humankind and the angelic kind this is it this is the center of the universe this is the focus of redemption this is the focus of the spiritual battle and no other superior race exists anywhere right. in the universe I think that's a that's a wonderful summary. I think that's going to be something in the very near future that we're going to have to face and deal with. And the reason why I think that is because our, our present government uh, is so woke and so out of touch with reality. I think we're going to be seeing more and more weird, strange, bizarre interpretations like in transgenderism, like in same-sex marriage, I mean, we're, we're breaking out of the categories of reality. And I think we as Christians need to have some solid exegetical footing to, to stand on. Now, we're not going to persuade the woke people, but Christians are going to need some great answers. And I think you're the kind of a guy who's got some, some great answers. So what do you see coming down the road about strange happenings in the, in the heavens about UFOs? What, do you have any idea, any opinion about UFOs? What are they? I mean, there are these things that seem to go so fast, and then they make a right-angle turn without slowing down, so they seem to be out of our physical dimension. What's your understanding of that? I, I, and I know your book is not on that specifically, but I think you're touching a lot of these areas. They're all related. Yes. To me, there's a whole range of phenomena. We have the Nephilim phenomena. We have yes. the UFO phenomenon and a bunch of related things, including ascended masters that appear to people and talk to people and give them counsel, especially the, the, the world movers and shakers have their ascended master connection. But no matter where we go in this, this isn't intelligent beings from somewhere else in the universe. This is just the same angelic realm and the fallen Nephilim realm, the demonic realm, that's what we're dealing with. These are, it's all lies, and every position of God is misrepresented, every aspect of God's character is affronted, and it's just a parcel of lies to deceive mankind. Yes, that's, uh, I, I agree with that. Well, friends, we're visiting with Lee Brainerd. He's the author of the book, The New Heavens and Earth. What happens to this universe in the far distant future? We've been speaking about that. Is everything recreated in a beautiful new way, or is everything renovated like renovating an old house? Our toll-free number is 1-800-652-1144. Ask for the book, The New Heavens and Earth. And I guarantee this will be 
It will require some thought and some steady, no question about it. The author has put it in a lot of details, good stuff. But I believe that if you sit down and have a regular time for reading a great book and getting into the, what should I say, the adventure of biblical exegesis, you will love this book, The New Heavens and Earth by Lee Brainerd, 1-800-652-1144. Lee, as we think about all these areas uh, that we're talking about, tell us about after the millennium. How's everything going to fit together after the 1,000 years? Well, we don't have a lot in the Bible that specifically and directly addresses the subject. But we do know from, an, I think it's seven or eight passages in the Bible that talk about the kingdom established at the second coming, and it says that kingdom will endure forever and ever. So I think it's fairly safe as an operating principle in our exegesis to assume if that kingdom endures forever, then the principles of that kingdom will endure forever. And we can just extrapolate out. We come to the end of the millennium, the ungodly angels are put away forever, the ungodly mankind is put away forever, and we go on into a beautiful eternity where I believe God is going to extend the creation mandate to the entire universe and every blood-redeemed believer from the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Tribulation era and the millennium are going to have this vast eternity expended before them. When we go off into that time, nobody is ever going to get bored. We will never uncover the last cool thing in this universe. It doesn't matter if your interest is music or your interest is art or science or internal combustion engines or high-tech stuff that we cannot think of. No matter where we look, if you're into insects and bugs or into nature and photography, you will never uncover the last cool thing that God has hidden in this universe for us to discover. Wow, that is something that needs to be shouted from the rooftops because so many of the presentations that we see of heaven, you know, it's like sitting on a cloud strumming on a harp. I think, well, who wants to do that? It's absolutely boring. But from what you're talking about, the future for the believer, for the person who's had his or her sins forgiven, it's going to be an unbelievable, what should I say, adventure, things that we never even thought of or could even imagine. We're going to be, our minds are going to be expanded wonderfully so. So heaven looks very beautiful from that kind of a perspective. It sure does. What I like to tell people, they'll say, well, the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard. And I said, did you read the next verse? It <laughs> says, but the Spirit has revealed. Well, how did he reveal? Did he give you a special revelation that nobody else got? No. He's revealed dozens of hints in the pages of Scripture. We read in the Scripture that we will have a better and enduring substance. That means stuff. That we're going to have possessions in heaven that if we had them down here, thieves would break in and steal them and moths and rust would corrupt them. When we move into eternity, we have possessions that will never be stolen, that will never wear out, that will never rust, that will never break, that will never decay. And I like to tell people, when we think of everything that we could possibly think of that would be a beautiful future, and that's based on the analogy that we have from this life, well, all we've thought about is one molecule at the tip of the iceberg, because eternity is going to expand in every direction 
that mankind's experience can expand. Heaven can be more than we can imagine. It cannot be less than we can imagine. Right. Heaven can be better than we can imagine. It can't be worse than we can imagine. Lee, I've really enjoyed reading your new book, and I think this is fascinating. Are you thinking of a part two or maybe a second book? Because you seem to be getting into areas that we want to learn more about. Have you ever thought about that? Well, I have been thinking of putting together a book on heaven, but I actually have several books in the works right now, and I'm really hoping I get them done before the rapture. <laughs> right. I know I've got about three books that are hanging partially done, too. Well, thank you so much, brother. Uh, you are very challenging, very delightful to interview, and I really think your book is, is tremendous, The New Heavens and Earth. The complete two-day conversation with Lee Brainerd is available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Lee Brainerd's book, The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation, is a book that you must add to your library. Will the current heavens and earth cease to exist and be replaced by a second creation as many Bible teachers insist? Or will the current earth be refurbished by earthquake and fire from heaven, even as the last earth was refurbished by the flood? In the New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation, Lee Brainerd presents several arguments, such as historical precedent, the character of God, the eternality of the earth, and the eternal nature of the kingdom established at the second coming, which combine to make a formidable case that the new heavens and earth will be the current heavens and earth refurbished. The New Heavens and Earth. Recreation or Renovation. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order at our website, swrc.com. Did the United States government experiment illegally on its citizens? What were Operation Paperclip, MKUltra, and MKOffen? Micah Van Huss examines these questions in today's Marginal Mysteries segment. Welcome to the program today. I am your host, Micah Van Huss. I produce Marginal Mysteries for Southwest Radio Ministries. And today we're going to be talking about CIA programs in the 20th century. Throughout history, regimes have committed horrific atrocities against their citizens in the name of scientific advancement. Now, in the early 20th century, Nazi crimes were spotlighted during the Nuremberg trials. They also experimented in eugenics to rid the world of quote-unquote less desirable human qualities. Now, it wasn't just the Nazis who partook in eugenics, but also the United States. It was Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, who aided the United States eugenics movement, among other people, and the United States government partook in different ways to get rid of different races. But today, we're going to talk about illegal human experimentation on United States citizens. Now, this isn't just a fringe conspiracy theory, but a well-documented, congressionally investigated reality. Between 1953 and 1973, MKUltra was an illegal human experimentation program conducted by the CIA, headed by a man named Sidney Gottlieb. It was in order to force confessions through 
brainwashing, and psychological torture. Now, methods in MKUltra included the administration of drugs, which was mostly LSD, electroshocks, hypnosis, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse. And in 1973, the CIA director Richard Helm ordered the destruction of all MKUltra files after uh, it was discovered by United States Congress. Now, uh, some people have seen the Netflix show Stranger Things. When we're talking about MKUltra and mind control experiments, shows like that were likely inspired by what the CIA did in the mid-20th century. So what should be a Christian's response when our government conducts illegal human experimentation? I served as a United States Marine, as a Christian, while I was a Marine, and I had no problem at all with what our government had sent me and my friends over to Iraq to do. I was infantry, so I was in the thick of it, and I had no problem the entire time I was there doing what I believe God had called me to do at the moment. So Jeremiah chapter 22, verse 3 says, Thus saith the Lord, Execute ye judgment and righteousness, and deliver the spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor. So there are instances in the Bible where it is obvious that protecting the innocent is what we need to do. Now, God gives different people different gifts. King David was a warrior. Joshua, God tasked with wiping out the races of giants in the Old Testament. So when God calls you to do something, when God prepares your life, He prepares you to do what He will have you do in the future, whether that's through military training or whether that's through uh, art or whatever your service for the Lord is. It's fascinating to study about what our government was doing in the past. Hopefully, we move forward, never allowing them to do something like that again. As I served in the Tennessee legislature for eight years, I carried the heartbeat bill to ban abortion. So I fought for this country in Iraq knowing that this country had legalized abortion. But I didn't fight for abortion over in Iraq. I fought for this country because I love this country. And despite the evil of abortion, I believe that the United States could one day overcome the evil of abortion. And, well, though it's not overcome 100%, it has been given back to the states. The abortion laws in this land are no longer violating the Constitution. The Supreme Court's rulings have no longer in this specific instance, are not violating the Constitution because now is back as a state's rights issue. A little bit of rabbit trail there, but if you're interested, my new book, Secret Societies, will be releasing next month. And feel free to stop by and pre-order a copy of Secret Societies where we talk about this stuff and many more things at MarginalMysteries.com. Again, stop by MarginalMysteries.com and get your copy of Secret Societies today. One of the most breathtaking prophecies in the Bible is the promise of the new heavens and earth. But how will the new heavens and earth come about? The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation by Lee Brainerd. This book will answer your questions and take a look at how man will experience an unbroken, utopian blessing in his eternal home. The New Heavens and Earth, Recreation or Renovation by Lee Brainerd. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Remember, you can always order at our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Has the church replaced Israel? Evangelist Donald Perkins will answer this question 
on tomorrow's program. Be sure you tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.